Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to episode 187 of the Motorcycle Man podcast and another interview episode for your listening pleasure. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this show, and of course, for listening to all the Motorcycle Man episodes. And if you would like to help the show out, you can go to our website at MotorcycleMen.us, and there you can click on that Donate button if you'd like to help us out with a singular PayPal donation. And another way you can help us out is give us some feedback. Go over to iTunes and give us a rating. And while you're at it, send us an email to MotomenPC at gmail.com, or you can go to our contacts page on the website and send us a note there. I read all of our email, and we might comment on it during our next show. Hey, for the best in motorcycle jeans, there's only one place you should be going, and that is Tobacco Motorwear Company. Dave and the crew over there make great motorcycle riding jeans that will outperform that ratty old pair you've been wearing and most of the brands available. Not only do they perform well, but they are also the best-looking and the most comfortable selvage jeans you will ever own or wear. And for further protection and style, get yourself a California riding shirt. It's comfortable, safe, and looks absolutely stunning. I wear a pair of tobacco riding jeans and the California riding shirt, and so does Brother Chris. They feel good, they look great, and they give me that extra protection security when riding that I want for my gear. And new is their McCoy riding jacket. Pre-orders are now being taken for this very attractive water-repellent waxed canvas jacket with armor. It has a flannel lining, underarm vents, and airflow sleeves. That's the McCoy jacket. And as always, all tobacco gear is made here in the USA. And for Motorcycle Men listeners, there is a special link for those who want to order. And that link is going to be on the Motorcycle Men homepage or right here in the show notes. So you click on that link, and it will take you to a special page just for Motorcycle Men listeners. And you can also give them a call at 747-666-5741. And when you call, you tell Dave and the crew over there that the Motorcycle Men sent you, and make sure you use that coupon code Motorcycle Men when ordering. The Motorcycle Men podcast is supporting David's Dream and Believe Cancer Foundation. The foundation was started by stage 4 cancer survivor David Calderell to help families who are struggling through the personal, emotional, physical, mental, and financial struggles of cancer. If you'd like to help out and be part of something that actually makes a difference, donate today to David's Dream and Believe Cancer Foundation. Go to davidsdreamandbelieve.org to donate. Links will also be in the show notes and, of course, on the Motorcycle Men website. Viking Cycle is another great retailer for motorcycle riding gear and accessories. Right now, get 15% off when you enter your email address and enter the coupon code on any order. You get quality leather and textile jackets, pants, vests, gloves, and rain gear for men and women. That's Viking Cycle at vikingcycle.com. Now, so you've been thinking of taking a motorcycle trip, but you want to go someplace perhaps exotic and maybe exciting or maybe you're more interested in breathtaking scenery and some great camaraderie with others who share the spirit of adventure that you do or maybe you just want to go one of these places and ride at your own pace on a reliable motorcycle well if touring europe south africa and new zealand is on your bucket list then you are in luck my guest today runs the oldest motorcycle tour company out there and he's here on the podcast to tell us all about it. 
Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Motorcycle Men Podcast. This is Ted, your host, here on episode 187 uh, here in the V-Twin Cafe. Joining me all the way from a very cold upstate New York, Mr. Rob Beach from Beach's Motorcycle Tours. Rob, hello, sir. Welcome to the show. How do you do, Ted? It's great to be here. I'm glad you could make it. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about your motorcycle self? And what you do at Beach's Motorcycle Adventures. My motorcycle self, beginning when I was eight years old on a Honda <laughs> QA50. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yes, exactly. That was a long time ago. And learning how to ride my father's R69S when I was 12. My mother was not real happy when I came home from a cross-country trip with Dad and said, Hey, I know how to ride a big street bike now. Yeah, that's what mothers yeah. want to hear. Yeah. She said, how far did you do that? And I said, oh, it was a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, and I've been riding so since I was eight years old. That's a long, long time. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I don't know how many thousands of miles, but uh, it's well over half a million. Beautiful. And so tell us about Beach's Motorcycles Adventures. Beach's Motorcycle Adventures, the world's oldest motorcycle touring company. Really? It is. Yes, sir. I had no idea. There you go. Started by my father, Bob Beach, and my mother, Elizabeth, in 1972. Um, they went to Europe in 1969 and bought a new BMW and decided that uh, they were going to change their careers and head off and start to do European tours. Um, that was the beginning of it. So we are currently the oldest oldest motorcycle tour company in the world by almost a decade. Wow, that that is very impressive. I would have never known that. Wow. So when did you come into the fray? Mm, interesting. Uh, well, I wrote, ran my first tour when I was 18, I think. And then in, yeah. When you were 18? Yeah, because we had, we had such a big tour that uh, mom and dad split me off to take a group. And actually all of the people on that tour, literally all of the people on that tour, had been with mom and dad a couple of times before that, so they were all far more experienced than I was. I was just the figurehead. <laughs> so here you are, 18 years old, and you're driving, you're leading people around where? In the Alps. But yeah, yeah. Now, had, had you done this before at that point? I had been there, yeah, I had been there a number of times. I went over the first time when I was 14 years old, rode a motorcycle over there the first time when I was 17, and uh, that was a long, long time ago. Wow, and you've been in charge ever since. I've been in charge for the last 30 years now. Um, I just finished my 200 tour last year. So I've spent, uh, calculated it out, and I figure I spent about a third of my life in hotel rooms. Yeah, that sounds pleasant, I think. <laughs> well, it depends on the hotels, of course. This is true. Yeah, I know. I can I can imagine. I'm, I'm sure you're not always staying in five stars. I have to imagine that. Uh, no, but we do take very good care of ourselves on tour. I can imagine you would. I mean, why would you do anything else, right? Exactly. <laughs> I see that you offer mostly BMW motorcycles exclusively. Now, do you own all these bikes, or is this some sort of partnership you have with BMW? Both, actually. We keep a fleet of machines between a dozen and 20 bikes in Europe, and we are also a partner with BMW, so we have access to the factory bikes, so you can get any model that you want, uh, with the exception of the really big machines, which simply just don't make sense on the tours that we're running. Okay. 
Well, I was looking at your website, and I saw the list of BMW motorcycles that you offer, and it's quite extensive. Would you mind telling us what bikes you offer? <laughs> Everything from the G310 right on up through the 1250s and the um, S1000s, actually, the S1000XR as well. So our, our 1250 RTs, um, I mean, the full model full model range of BMWs are available on tour. No kidding. Yes, sir. That is quite a now, even Now, does that include the brandy spanking new ones that they just released? Yes, sir. Wait, wait, which one of the bikes is your favorite? All of the new BMWs are so impressive. Gretchen and I have had great fun on the F800 GS. Yeah. I have not ridden the 850. That had just come out just before we left last right. year. Nor the new 1250, but um, I, I like smaller and lighter and you, you get a lot of people coming in and say, well, "Give me the twelve hundred GS," because that's what that's what you and uh, Charlie rode. Yep, yeah, it's a, that's definitely the most popular. You'll really? see more twelve hundred GSs in the Alps than any other motorcycle. That, period. That must be like so hard to muscle that thing around, though. That's uh, no, it's not. Well, it's it's a motorcycle that leers at you in the parking lot. <laughs> so you want to ride me, do you? Yeah, but it's they actually handle very very well. Right. Wow. <laughs> and uh, with the with the very compliant suspension, they're great two up. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're very impressive motorcycles. All the BMWs handle very very well. We've got uh, four Harley dealers that come with us okay. pretty routinely, and they all ride BMWs, and they all acknowledge the fact that they wouldn't want to be on any Harley at all where we're riding. Now, I guess they're not afraid of these things getting scuffed up a little bit then, huh? Well, the intention is, of course, that we're not going to scuff them up, and that's one reason that one should consider the model that you're thinking about because some of the big full-fared bikes, if they happen to fall over in a parking lot, you can suddenly have a $400 broken mirror in your hand. This is true. Speaking of things falling over, such as motorcycles, that leads me to ask the question, have you ever gotten someone on one of these bikes who is vertically challenged that shouldn't be riding one of these bikes? <laughs> oh, indeed. Um, way back when, in 1985, we went to Africa. Nice. And South Africa was um, our, our first endeavor in South Africa, and we were riding brand new 800 GSs. Okay. And there, there was a fellow from Chicago who came along, and he was about 83 or 84 years old. Okay. Very short little man. And I see where we this want, is going. Yeah, we wandered out to our 80 GSs, and uh, he stood next to it, and the seat came up to about uh, the middle of his chest. Oh. And he looked at this, and he said, I can't ride that. And I said, well... We really don't have a choice. There are no other motorcycles. Oh, we can no. put you in the van. And he said, Rob, he said, I wanted to come to Africa for my entire life. And he said, the opportunity to be here and ride a motorcycle is more than I could imagine. I have to ride. And uh, so we talked about it a little bit. And I suggested that maybe if he had sufficient control that we could make it work. Right. So he asked how. And I got him up on the bike while I'm balancing it and asked him to ride away and hopped on my motorcycle and rode up next to him. And I said, now when we come to a stop, I'm going to grab your handlebar. Okay. So I pulled up to the stop sign and he pulled up right next to me and I just reached over and grabbed his handlebar and balanced him and he never 
took his feet off the foot pegs. Okay. So for the next three weeks. <laughs> no, no, not true really. True story. Really. True story. For the next three weeks, I was responsible for his balance at every single stop. Oh. And he was he was actually a, a, a superb rider right. in the sense that he could position his bike every time he stopped right next to me where I didn't have to reach out. He'd just ride it away from my hand. So he, I was the first one at the stops, and he was the first one away from every stop. Wow. And three weeks of riding in South Africa, and he didn't put his feet down or even take them off the pegs once. Because when he did, they were each six inches off the ground. Wow. Did he drop the bike at all any time? I didn't drop the bike at all. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I never dropped that bike that I wasn't riding. <laughs> oh, wow. But have you ever had that situation where somebody was actually trying and they actually dropped the bike a lot? Um, not. Oh, good. Well, no, not really. <laughs> not really. Not really. Okay. <laughs> I have never been to Europe myself. Uh, so I have, you know, I've listened to enough audiobooks uh, on the topic with people who are be touring around, uh, whether it's Sam Manicom or, you know, Jeremy Craker or any one of those other guys that have been riding around. And they all have wonderful things to say about the roads and the people that they meet over there. That must be really a great thing to go through as well. It is. It is. Uh, but the, the, the network of roads is the thing that is really impressive. And the Rocky Mountains is a chain that's 3,700 miles long. And there are 24 or 25 major passes through them. Right. And the steepest of those is a 9% grade. Yeah. The Alps is a place that's the size of Virginia and West Virginia. Yeah. There are 220 paved passes. Wow. There are over 1,200 places where you can get up to a cul-de-sac in the mountains way high up there. Yeah. And counting passes in Switzerland alone, I came up with 22 that have gradients over 12%. Oh, yeah, I know. Because even on the tour, they're doing some gradients are well over 12. Yes. So I get that. Wow. That's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah, we do, um, on the Alpine Adventure West, we're riding a lot of the roads that the Tour de France is on. We actually ran across it last year and had to reroute around it because there was a major pinch point um, in the mountains, and the Tour de France was where we really needed oh, to be. Oh, wow, really? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Holy crap. Wow. That's we worked it out. but You know, it's funny because every, every year I watch the Tour and I see the scenery and I go, man, I really would love to be there, but I want to be there on a motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, someday when I have the cash, I would like to do that. I would like to make that trip, and I'll, I'll talk to you. Set that yep. up. So where do, you tour, where do your tours actually go? Give us a rundown. Primarily in Europe. Um, okay. Last year, we were from Scotland to Transylvania, from Tuscany up to the Czech Republic. So we covered quite an area with the tours that we were running last year. This year, in 2019, we are in New Zealand at the moment. There's a group there. And I'm flying to Europe in April, and we'll begin with a tour of the Balkans through Croatia, Slovenia, Montenegro, and Bosnia. And then we are over to Corsica and Sardinia in the Mediterranean for a two-week tour over there. And then most of the rest of the summer is in the Central and Eastern and Western Alps. And then in October, we're down in Tuscany for two weeks. Hey, do any of your tours ever meander up northern Germany? Um, only only on, on the eastern tour, the Alpine Adventure East, we scoot from Munich up to Bomberg. 
Um, further north than that, no. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, because my, my, I have, uh, I don't even know if I saw a family, but I have family up in Bremen, which is way up north. Way up north, yeah. yep. Yep. The the Alpine Adventure West, we used to start in Zurich and get up into the Black Forest and then scoot into France uh, through the Black Forest. Nice. But, but further north than that now. Wow. wow. That, that must be great for you to, to, to do that, to get out and just hit all these places like that. Wow, that must be awesome. It is. It is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really, really lucky. It's... Uh, it's it's a good job, and I don't know what I'm going to do for my retirement because I don't have one. But as long as I can throw a leg over a motorcycle, I don't need one. <laughs> Go for a motorcycle ride, <laughs> and that's just Europe. Yes. What else yes. do you got? Well, obviously Africa. Every, you got Africa, right? Yeah. Every other year or so, we're doing South Africa and uh, New Zealand as well. We've got a three-week tour running in New Zealand right at the moment. No kidding. Okay. Now, I have a question for you. With regard to that, well, how many do you usually get on your average tour? What's what's the attendance usually? 10, uh, 10 to 20 people. No kidding. Now, how do you handle the logistics of that must be just insanely crazy. How do you manage that? From the standpoint of the hotels and, and dealing with all of that, that's what we've been doing now for 47 years. So, so you might have it down, right? We've got that down pretty well. Okay. From the standpoint of day-to-day travel, we are not necessarily all riding down the road as a group. So one of the things that is very, very different on our tours versus any other tour, and it's important to remember that we wrote the book. <laughs> yeah, okay. Been, been doing uh, enough. Is is the fact that you are um, you're not required to ride with a group. Okay. And every tour company in the world will tell you that because we exist and we actually make it interesting to not necessarily ride with a group. Right. So we have a meeting each evening and talk about where we're going the following day. We offer a variety of suggested routes. We've got all of those routes pre-programmed into a GPS. We have a multi-hundred-page tour book specifically for each tour that details those routes and it's up to you to decide where you want to go when you want to leave how far you want to go how you want to do your tour the hard and fast rule is luggage down by nine because the van's leaving and if you're not going to make it in for dinner by seven thirty, call us and let us know so that we know you're safe and happy okay well that seems pretty straightforward now I can imagine, like each as a, as a ride leader, I would say, you're not the only guy on the tour. How many staff members are usually accompanying each tour? My wife comes along, riding as a passenger with me, and we've got a van driver guide as well. So there are three of us taking care of the group. Oh, really? So per tour, there's three people all the time. <laughs> oh, wow, that's pretty interesting. If we have, I mean, if we have really big groups, we'll get another guide on a bike. But the intention is that um, you do it your way. Well, I get it. <laughs> yeah. For, you know, so for some people, that is, hey, I I have a high stress job. Fifty weeks a year, I'm sitting here making decisions, and on my vacation, I don't want to. Understood. So I'm going to follow you every day. Right. And I'm not going to read my book, and I don't care where we go, take me to the best places. Right. Off we go. But the flip side is that maybe uh, somebody else is there, and we're off to go see this castle, and they say, hey, I'd much rather go for a ride today. I've been to that castle, or I don't want to go that way. So here's the alternative route. Right. And, and uh, 
that's the thing that makes it really interesting is that you're not stuck with a group and there is no way that a group is going to make everyone happy for some people it's too slow for some people it's right. too fast and for a few it's just right. <laughs> right so so basically in a nutshell you do have your point a to point b uh, itinerary set up but for the most part you start at point a and then what you do in between doesn't matter as long as you end up at point b precisely oh that's excellent that's really uh, allows for the rider to pretty much have their own tour within a tour exactly and the one of the interesting things is that each and every tour is so different because of the group makeup and how people do things and what their interests are and the guy who's interested in taking photographs uh, says hey rob you know give me a short route that's really scenic Okay, you take Route 2 up to this point and then scoot over and get the last little bit here of Route 1, and <laughs> yeah. it's going to take you all day, and your camera's going to be coming in and out of the bag all day. Right. And somebody else says, hey, I want to ride all day. I'm here to ride motorcycles, so I want to be out early, and I want to ride until dinner. So everybody doesn't necessarily start at the same time. It's entirely up to you. Oh, okay, that's great. Have you ever had somebody not show up at the finish of the day? <laughs> Over 47 years old, we've got stories, yes. Oh, you really? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, do tell. <laughs> do tell. Well, she was. That goes way back, though, before cell phones and before communication. Oh, okay, I can imagine, yeah. And uh, keep in mind that we've been doing this long enough that there was a time when doing something as simple as booking a hotel for a tour was a three and a half month process. Oh, I can only imagine. Man. So we write letters, because that was before faxes. Right. And those letters take three weeks to get to the hotel. Wow. The hotel chews on it for a week, sends their answer back. It takes three weeks. Seven weeks have gone by. Now we know that that particular hotel can accommodate us. Right. But, of course, we've written to ten of them, so we need to figure out where we're going to stay. Right. And in another seven weeks, we actually have it confirmed. Yes, we're staying with you. Okay. And we wait for the confirmation to come back. So, of course, with that kind of stuff, there was a period of time when we might have sent out a hotel list that had a room that was to be, or a hotel that was to be announced. We knew where we were staying, but when the paperwork went out to you three months before the tour, that might have been there. Oh, my God. Three guys take off. They didn't take their tour book with them because they didn't need that. <laughs> right. They had the sheet of paper. That we had sent them two and a half months before the tour departed, and one of the hotels was to be announced. Oh, boy. And, uh, yeah, they rode around in big circles and uh, more big circles and finally got a room somewhere because they didn't even have a phone number to call us. Oh, and there were no wow. cell phones at that time. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's one story, and there are, there are others. <laughs> in, the, in the modern age, I guess in the modern age with, with cell phones and GPSs, you haven't had really had that problem. No. Okay. Now, is everybody given uh, a GPS at the start of every ride, or is that their own? Yes, sir. Oh, they are. Okay. Yep. So the G- yep. so the GPX routes are already on the GPSs. Right. Ah, cool. What GPSs do you use? Uh, currently, the BMW Nav fives. Oh, really? Wow, yeah. I didn't know. So BMW provides the GPSs as well. We do. You do. You provide them, yeah. but they're BMW yeah. GPSs. Exactly. Oh, that's interesting. And a very capable unit. It's basically the same as uh, the Garmin 
660s, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. With additional internal software that is quite interesting because they're tied into the BMWs and they give you all kinds of information on your actual ride, like how many times you applied the front brake or the rear brake and what your average oh, wow. throttle position was. And that's pretty fascinating. That's pretty interesting stuff. Now, of all the tours that you offer, uh, which one is the longest tour that you offer? Three weeks uh, in New Zealand. We are coming up with a new three-week itinerary in South Africa for 2020. We were three weeks in Scotland and uh, oh, the Isle of nice. Anne last year. Wow. So the normal tours in the Alps are two weeks long. We have a few 10-day tours and one seven-day tour. But two weeks is the normal minimum for us, and that's what I would recommend as a minimum for an overseas tour. Oh, that sounds nice. Now, do you ha- ever have anybody who signs up for one of these, they're ideally, and they're brand new to motorcycling and motorcycle touring? like this do you have any tours that you think would be ideal for somebody like that no (laughs) (laughs) no you're on your own screw it (laughs) no it's um you know learning to ride a motorcycle is something that's serious and 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 important enough that you don't want to do that in a foreign country you don't want to be dealing with all kinds of other unknowns in addition to motorcycle operation yeah. so have we had low mileage riders who are not experienced tourers with us right. yes okay yeah uh dirt bike riders that have gotten into the street later on in life yes uh, so so it's it's but it's not a good place to go learn how to ride your motorcycle yeah. i have to imagine though that you probably get some people in there who are totally out of their element yes sir and how does that go over um one of the things over the, I, I taught motorcycle riding schools many, many years ago with BMW, a company called Rats that I founded, Rider Advanced Training School, and we were teaching courses at racetracks all over the country. And that experience in combination with my ability to actually pay attention to people while they're on the road and see what's happening has paid off in the sense that... Um, I can keep an eye on a group and figure out who really needs some help. Yeah. And there are a lot of people that can use little tips here and there to do simple things like ease anxiety, which is a very, very big problem for some folk. Really? And, uh, well, you're into a situation where everything is new. You're riding in a new traffic flow. Yeah. You're riding around vehicles that you're not used to. You're looking at signs that could say avalanche. Or Fred's hot dogs. You're not really sure. <laughs> well, how many of the countries uh, do you? When how many? Speaking of which, are you in a different riding environment, how many of the countries do you go through where the the driving situation is either left side of the road or right side of the road? I mean, does it really vary that much? Well, all of Europe, all of Central Europe, uh, is right side, with the exception of the UK. Right. So our left side tours would be in South Africa, New Zealand, and the occasional tour that we do to the Isle of Man. Okay. But for the most part, uh, on mainland Europe, you're on the right side of the road. Everywhere. Oh, that's good. That's, that's, that's easy to get by. You don't have anybody mis- screwing that up. No. No. <laughs> Let's hope not, anyway. Um, your typical tour. What's, what's the cost of a typical tour? The different tours range from about $4,100 to about 7500 for the rider. Okay. And that's including all of your hotels and all your morning and evening meals. 
um, unlimited use of the motorcycle. Okay. Passengers are um, 60% of that. Okay. And, and depending on what tour it is. So it's not an inexpensive vacation. Right. But if you sit down and figure out turns per dollar, sure, I think it's I think it's pretty well unbeatable. Yeah, I mean it's a great. Now, do you get a lot of uh, two ups? Sixty percent of the bikes on any given tour will be ridden two up. No the other forty percent really? are solo. So yeah, that is that's amazing. I would have never imagined that would have been that high. So I tell you what, right now, how does it work? So I say I want to do, go on one of these tours. I make a. I've made a res- reservation with you guys, and what now? How does it take us through the process? Send an application, send some money. And <laughs> the most reading. important part. <laughs> um, we will communicate with you with a variety of information prior to the tour to get you enthused. One of the things that we're trying to do is to give you a concept of what you're getting into from the riding standpoint, but also where you're going because. Again, it's not such a tightly controlled tour that this is the route I'm taking you on and these are the things that we're going to see. It's more like, here's the area that we're going to go to and here are a variety of things you could see if you're interested. So the tour book arrives a month or two before you're departing and you've got an idea of what your day-to-day itineraries are. We've been in communication with a variety of mailings prior to the tour so that you've got an idea of what sort of attractions are in the area. And then it's time to actually start packing things up. You get on an airplane and head to the destination. So you're right. You bring all of your own riding gear. We don't supply any of that. Right. Okay. Arrive in Munich or in Zurich or wherever we're starting the tour with a big smile. And for the next two weeks, have the most amazing motorcycle ride you've ever had. And could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. Go home with a much bigger smile and memories that uh, just never disappear. Wow. Now, do you pick the people up at the airport? Yes, sir. Oh, wow. Door to door service. That's awesome. It uh, is. Now, tell me, this is, uh, I, I've, I, I've read enough uh, or listened to enough audiobooks of guys who are traveling around the world to understand this. How do you handle the customs of going across borders and things like that? It's not, especially in Europe now with the EU, unfortunately, most of the border crossings are gone. I quite liked it when we went from one country to the other and had to deal with a different currency um, and and the border crossing and the passport getting stamped, etc. But that's not the reality anymore. Oh, really? So it's like going from Ohio to Indiana. Wow. So, so like the need for a carnet is not, is not required anymore? In Europe, no. Oh, that's amazing. Not at all. That's really, really interesting. But yeah, you still recommend that everybody brings their passport with them, correct? You must have it. Yeah, that's because that is your identification in the foreign land. So you're traveling with a passport, but it's not something that you have to pull out. And it is something that, unfortunately, other than your arrival into the EU and your departure from, doesn't get stamped anymore. Oh, okay. Now, as far as so goes for, um, as far as goes for driver's license and insurance, how's that handled? Your American motorcycle license is sufficient over there. Right. The insurance that is on the motorcycles is liability, uh, extensive liability, okay. third party. Right. And you're responsible for the first $2,500 of any damage to the bike. Ah, okay. Now, with regard to the tours themselves, I assume you have ridden all of these tours. 
not only have I ridden all the tours, I ride every tour. Okay. I am actually the guide on all of our tours. Wow. Really? I'm not doing this for fame and fortune, my friend. I'm doing this <laughs> because there's a lovely motorcycle sitting on a side of a mountain somewhere that's just waiting for me to take it out. So right now, at this very moment, people are listening to this and they hate you. You do realize that. <laughs> I do know that. Don't I understand that. <laughs> I definitely understand that. I have, uh, from a motorcycling standpoint, about the best job in the world. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to argue with you there. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite tour of your own? No. Really? No, I have a favorite. Uh, no, I don't. I have a favorite place, and that is the Alps. I have been in Australia. I've traveled extensively, very extensively in New Zealand, um, South Africa, around the States quite a bit. And I have not found any place that is more attractive to motorcycle ride than the Alps, very simply. It's a place that has roads that are challenging and interesting at slower speeds. Mm-hmm. It has tourist amenities that are unbeatable. One of the things that I often tell people is, in America, we're very destination-driven. We are looking for some place to take our motorcycles and go to. So we're going to go down to Paula's Pies, which is three hours down the road to have a pie for lunch because they've got the best pie anywhere. Um, And on the way, we ride past all of the strip malls and all of the franchises and all of the things that are identical in Indiana and Florida and Kentucky and California and New York and get to Paula's Pies and have a wonderful time and ride back. Yeah, that sounds kind of boring. But that's what it is. That's, you know, that's the riding here. Yeah. It can, or you're, you've got a wonderful road somewhere and you're going to hop on your machine and ride an hour and a half down less than wonderful roads to get to that particular place and go play around for half a day. Mm-hmm. And then you've got an hour and a half to get back home. Yeah. And the Alps, uh, we leave a hotel that's sitting on the side of a mountain pass and ride over the mountain pass and spend the next three to six hours of riding in incessant corners. Um, and when it's about time to stop, think, hmm, it's time for a stop. And within 15 minutes, there's some place that looks attractive and you pull over and sit down and have a meal that is that meal that you would have ridden four and a half hours anywhere else in America to wow, go get. that's amazing. Uh, you know, because I'm looking at some of the pictures that you have here of some of your Alpine tours and just absolutely spectacular views. Wow. What's the... the yeah, go, I'm sorry, go ahead. It, 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 it is really incomparable. The, the interesting dilemma that pops up on the first day for people that are there is I'm riding along and I'm not stopping at all of these lovely places to take photos. And at the end of the day, people say, well, you know, that was a great ride. Boy, that was a fantastic ride. But we didn't stop and get photos anywhere. And I said, wait a couple days and you'll understand why. Um, Because the pictures that you see there are literally shots taken off the back of the motorcycle by Gretchen, who's sitting there with a camera in her hand and is taking four to seven hundred photos a day. Um, Rather than we're going to go to this overlook and take this photo, it's this is day-to-day, minute-to-minute life on tour. I mean, it, it, it is truly that spectacular. Wow, that's absolutely amazing. Yikes. And what's the most attended ride that you have? Uh, probably the classic Alpine Adventure. We've got two of those this summer. They're both 
full. One is completely full right now. One, I have two rooms available, and that's it. Uh, wow. But we're, we're, we stick to the, to the Central, Eastern, and Western Alps. The Eastern Alps is a tour we're running in September this year that begins in Munich and does a clockwise loop up to Prague in the Czech Republic. Wow. And then down into Austria through the Dolomites. Um, we've got a couple of days in Slovenia on that tour. Fantastic mountain riding. And then we scoot back up to Munich. The Alpine Adventure West begins in Zurich, Switzerland. And from Zurich, uh, we are running down along the French-Italian border to almost to Nice mm-hmm. and looping back up to Zurich. And uh, it, it's, it's all incredible. It and looks I, absolutely stunning. It is. <laughs> wow. Now, I it am is. a... I'm a I'm a rabid cycling guy, and I like to watch the Tour de France. Did you ever? Did any of your tours ever cross paths with that? Yes. It, um, yes. Oh, yes. Really? <laughs> Does that kind of throw a wrench into things? Well, it's something that uh, yeah, you can find a road closed for four or five hours easily as the um, pre-pack comes by and all of the rest of the tourists and everything else, they simply close the road down. Yeah. So there are times when we are working around it. Well, that's pretty weird. It is. Yeah, so now is. you're in Europe, New Zealand, and South Africa. You got any plans to expand into Asia and Australia? No. Oh, okay. No. Pretty simple. Uh, we, we, are, we are not going to be and have no interest in being the world's largest touring company. I have great interest in riding my motorcycle in a lot of places and uh, doing it with interesting people to travel with. Right. So we've got a couple of other very good guides, but it is uh, primarily a business that is a family business. We get out and do it ourselves. Understandable. Now, what about the U.S.? Nope. Nope. This is all about Europe, huh? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's all about Europe. Understood. Um, double yellow lines and police officers that give me tickets that uh, actually stick to my license and insurance are a bit of a problem. I can imagine. Yikes. That's not good. Suppose, now, suppose somebody was crazy enough that wanted to use their own bike. Would you allow that? Absolutely. Okay. Um, Have you ever had that? It's poss- yeah. Well, back in the old days, everyone actually purchased a motorcycle. What? Hey, here's one for you. Our first tours were, if I remember correctly, and I might be off by 100 or $200, but it sticks in my mind that the tour cost for one of my father's first tours was $2,895. Right. That was a three-week tour okay. with all of your accommodation, all your morning and evening meals, and airfare. Okay. Wow. And a new R60-5 and return freight for that motorcycle back home. Really? Holy and you could crap. sell the bike $3,000 used when you brought it back to the States. Make your money back. Absolutely, and have a free three-week vacation. That is insane. Of course, you don't do that now. Unfortunately, no. Because <laughs> I think you'd have people like like signing up like crazy if you did that. Um, uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I, I see that you allow cars on the, on the tours. We do. Uh, we've... One of the unfortunate realities of uh, American motorcyclists is a lot of us are getting older. No. And, no, that uh, doesn't happen. Yes, unfortunately it does, whether we like it or not. Mm. And uh, I'm in denial. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> <laughs> 
and motorcycle riding certainly makes us old guys feel a lot younger. So stick with it. Oh sure. Now does this but does this create a strange like dynamic between the two worlds? We got motorcycle guys and, and gals, and then you have cars. Do you like? Do you relegate the cars to the back of the pack? Well, there's no pack. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you're right. That's right. Yeah, there's no pack. There's no. And if there was a pack, it wouldn't work at all. This is because true. the the cars simply can't make it through the mountains and the traffic at the same pace that the motorcyclists can. And we're not all charging around. You're riding at your own pace okay. relative to your own skill level and doing your own thing. Even when we're riding in a group, one of the things that's emphasized very strongly is that there is no group pace. There is your pace. Oh, okay. And your pace is how fast you should be going. Right. Exactly. And if that turns into an issue where, hey, we've got a bit of a problem because you're not moving fast enough, then I'll modify the route so that it works. And then tomorrow I'm going to say, we're not taking the long route. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, and now how does, the, does this, does the, this get a different reaction from motorcycle riders when they see people in cars show up? Does it, does it matter then or we don't, nobody cares? No, nobody cares. Be- oh, the, the, the reality of our groups is that what we have are people that are fascinated by travel, fascinated to be somewhere and see something new, and they happen to like to do it on motorcycles. Yeah, yeah. When they find a kindred spirit that, for whatever reason, isn't or can't ride a motorcycle, mm-hmm. they get it. Yeah. So, hey, you know, we sit at the table tonight and we talk about what we saw, where we were, what we experienced. And other than the fact that they were warm when it got cold and put the top up on the convertible when it started to rain. (laughs) (laughs) Damn those people. Yeah, they were in the same place doing the same thing. So um, the automobile side of things is not something that we push really hard because travel in Europe Driving in Europe and riding in Europe is so different than it is in the States. Oh, I can imagine. That unless someone is a very enthusiastic driver, it's not a place for you to be in a car. Yeah. And the people that we have coming are generally people who have been with us in the past on motorcycles. And maybe the wife doesn't ride. So the guy came solo last time, but he, he was so taken with what he saw that he wants his wife to come along and experience it as well. So that he comes the next time in a car. Yeah. And he knows exactly what he's getting into. He knows how the tour runs and what to expect. Right. And uh, he also knows that he's going to be reasonably independent. We had uh, two couples who were great fun. And the ladies were in a car every day. And the guys were riding solo. And then at the double overnights, the girls would go off and ride for the free day, but they weren't doing it routinely. They were in the car, and they had their own experience and came back with stories of where they'd been and what, what had gone on, and it was an absolute riot. Yeah. Oh, good. Wow. Have you ever had anybody show up on one of these tours with totally the wrong gear? Yes. Oh, yeah? Yes, yes. <laughs> that's, that's routine. Um, our list of clothing and list of riding gear is fairly extensive, and the reality is that it's all necessary. Yeah. We had a couple who had been with us a number of and, and traveled independently a number of times in Europe as well. And they came over in late June and early July one year with brand spanking new riding gear, beautiful riding gear, vented, 
for Southern California. Right. And there was a bit of a cold snap for the first couple of days of the tour. And they went out on the first day of the tour and bought a second set of brand new riding gear that was far more appropriate for their tour. Wow. And they, it was funny because he said, you know, I've been here before and I know that I should be expecting this sort of change. And I don't know what I was thinking when we just packed this stuff. Um, but uh, Europeans in general are very aware of gear. Yeah. They tend to ride in full and good gear uh -huh. routinely. And the selection of stuff over there is fantastic. Wow. So. so if you had somebody show up with an armored leather jacket and a pair of, uh, oh, let's say, Kevlar riding jeans, you might snicker at them, huh? No. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> no. that's probably how I'd show up. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd be the only person in, in jeans that you would see for the entire two weeks that you're there. <laughs> oh, that's good. So when are you heading off for you to do your first tour? Uh, April 20, I think we're gone this year. So just, just under eight weeks from now. And where does that tour begin? In Ljubljana, Slovenia. And uh, that's our Balkans tour, the Adriatic Amble. So we'll be running up and down the Croatian coastline and enjoying some fun in the sun uh, before the snow in the high Alps melts. And after that, we go to Corsica and Sardinia on the other side of the food of Italy yeah. and spend some more time having fun in the sun in May. And then come June, we'll be up in the Alps. Uh, do you ever make it over to, uh, what's the island? It's um, uh, Mallorca? You ever, no. you, ever, you ever make it over there? Wow. No. Because I've seen some of the riding there, and it's absolutely fantastic. And what about Spain and, like, Eastern Europe? Does that any uh, tours that you offer there? We have been to Romania a couple of times. Yeah. We will be going back there probably in 2020. Mm -hmm. Some fantastic tours in Romania. Spain is a little too far. Our base is in Munich. Okay. So we have issues with moving our, all of the motorcycles from Munich to start a tour somewhere in Spain. Right. And uh, if you're going to Spain to ride a bike, you should be starting in Spain, not starting in Munich and getting to Spain. <laughs> there is some logic to that, I think. <laughs> All right, so how can people learn more about Beaches Motorcycle Adventures? You can find us online at www.bmca.com, as in Beaches Motorcycle Adventures, bmca.com. Okay. Excellent. And you're on Facebook, I suppose? Yes, sir. All right, excellent. There's links to that on the website, which I am looking at right now. Excellent stuff. Any last comments or recommendations to someone who might want to take one of these tours? Do it. Whether you come with us or not, if riding in Europe has been something that has even hovered around your radar at all, do it. It's an experience that you will never forget. It's an eye-opener. It's, uh, it's fantastic. Travel anywhere is good. Yes. Travel anywhere on a motorcycle is superb. Absolutely. And travel outside of your country is a great eye-opener. So I strongly urge people to get to Europe and ride a motorcycle. Excellent. Rob, I want to thank you very much for joining me here on the Motorcycle Man podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, and hopefully you have a wonderful touring year this year. Thank you, Ted. Thanks for joining me and Rob here on episode 187 
where we talk about Beach's motorcycle adventures. And to learn more, go to bmca.com to learn more. Links will be in the show notes and, of course, on the Motorcycle Men website at MotorcycleMen.us. All right, boys and girls, don't forget to check out our fellow podcasters, YouTubers, bloggers, and vloggers, whose links you'll find on our links page. All of these media outlets and many more out there do great things to promote and encourage our sport and passion. And don't forget to check out the Motorcycle Men YouTube channel and watch the Ted Shed series. You get to see what's going on with my bike as it's being repaired. All right, now, so for Tim Buck 2, Chris the Joker, Justin Shoes, and me, Ted, wrong way, your host. Thanks for listening to the Motorcycle Men podcast, where we say stupid crap so you don't have to. Enjoy your ride, kids. <laughs>